Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the House of Pride show with t- yours truly, Tweaka Turner, live from San Francisco. I'm feeling mighty real. My first guest today is the legend himself, Mr. Brian Kent. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Doing good. How are you, sir? Good. It's always good to see you. Hey, honey. I know. So good to see you. Always, always a pleasure. Are you feeling mighty real? I am always <laughs> feeling mighty real, especially uh, excited for the weekend. Yes, so. I'm super excited for the weekend, too. And in the green room, super excited. Make some noise out there <laughs> we have local luminaries up the butt coming in today awesome. and uh, speaking of up the butt speaking of up the butt it's this, Folsom Street Fair weekend that's right <laughs> folks if you don't know what that is about uh, that's Brian Ken is in our room today to tell us all about it oh okay so uh, this is, I didn't know this was Folsom 101 um, <laughs> if you haven't been to the fair it's a it's Folsom Street Fair weekend it's a kink leather fetish uh, weekend there's Yay. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that come to visit from all around the world. It's super exciting. There are a ton of events going on throughout the weekend. Um, I have four of my own. Yes, you produce events yourself. I do. Yeah. we're. Uh, What's the hot ticket? So uh, Friday night, we have the Folsom Sunset Cruise, which is really, really fun because you get to start off the whole weekend uh, watching the sunset behind uh, the city, the skyline, Golden Gate Bridge, Bay Bridge, Alcatraz. Um, and that's early on in the evening. So it's a great way to kind of actually get to talk to people. Can you still get a ticket for that one? You can still get a ticket. There's really? a few left. Yeah. Yep, it, yep, we have just a few left. The Perry Twins from Los Angeles are DJing it. Yeah. So really excited to have them this year. Um, so that's always a great way to start off. And then immediately following that, I have Brute at the Great Northern, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, a sexy, fun party for... Uh, hold your horses. Yeah, I'm how, how does one get tickets to the, the Sunset Cruise? Uh, you can look it up on Facebook, or you can go to Folsom Sunset Cruise2017.eventbrite.com. You heard it here on House of Pride Radio, and there's only a few tickets left, folks. If you need something to do to really prime yourself into the Folsom uh, Street weekend, uh, get on that cruise and party on down. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, that's one out of four. Uh-huh. And, then we have, <laughs> and then I have Brute right after that. Brute is sold out online, so there's only tickets available at the door right now. Um, but that's always a fun party. They have We have Brute all around the country and in the world. So it's Oh, it's, cool. Do you travel to those venues? Uh, I do. I get to, but I mostly base and work on the one here in San Francisco. So okay. yeah, but it's always a sellout. It's always super fun. Lots of sexy guys so it's definitely uh, definitely something to see if you have how would you describe it as a dance party it's definitely a dance party um, DJ Dan Darlington and Peter Napoli who are the founders of the event are mm-hmm. DJing it's super sexy I mean it's it's just a really fun event well better be with the name name Brute, Brute right <laughs> better be sexy where is that venue the, uh, the Great Northern or Mighty is in Soma so it's just uh, okay. not not far from, from Clubland down by DNA and all those oh, clubs oh yes down in there. that like yeah, just Mecca kinda, area yeah right just above that is so. that where the fair the Folsom Street Fair is is based? The fair is going to be, it's on Folsom between 10th and, uh, sorry, between uh, DeBose, which is the freeway, all the way down to um, 9th now. Oh, it's growing every year. It's growing. They moved it down a little bit, so it doesn't compass 11th Street now, which is where all the clubs are. So there's a lot going on on the street too, which is great. Awesome. All right. The third event. <laughs> and the third event is Magnitude, which is um, the official Saturday Night Folsom Street events um, organization's party. And this is the first year that we're going to be moving it to the Armory. Ooh. So I'm, um, I'm entertainment directing that. So there's going to be lots of really cool things in stores. It's, it's definitely a large scale circuit party and something to That's see. That's a big space to yeah. fill. It's a big space to fill. It's an amazing space. As you know, I did Pride There Jungle with Armory, um, Audrey Joseph. Yes. And your talent was 
that fabulous singer. Uh, yeah, uh, Betty Who performed. Betty Who, yes. Yeah, so that was really exciting. Uh, and and so this year this year for Magnitude, we'll see. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're bringing the leather aspect to the armory. Drop some names. Who's some of the DJs, some of the performers? Uh, the DJs are Nick Bertosi from Canada, and then we have Alex Acosta, mm-hmm. and then we have Ralphie Rosario as our headliner. Oh, that's fabulous. He's part of the group, uh, the dual. Uh, uh, Roosevelt. Roosevelt, yes. Yeah. So uh, super excited to have those guys. It's yeah. going to be musically, I think, a really incredible show and also visually is it one room or are you going to have a couple of different it's it's just the one main the room one main room yeah which is fifty five thousand square feet who's so, doing your lighting um we ha- we have a lighting company that we're using um that comes in we have different you know we have different visual designers different yeah. lighting designers so it's a whole crew that's coming in but it's going to be something yeah, pretty the, spectacular i bring it up because it's a great space to light yeah and and our stage is 100 feet wide um led panels like you've never seen before so mm-hmm. visually it's definitely going to be something to see it's going to knock your, your leather uh, leather socks, leather jocks off, leather jocks, and it's a fundraiser. I mean, the money does go to Folsom Street yeah. organization, so uh, who eventually gives it to beneficiaries? So, you know, it's and Jello shots, right, and Jello shots, exactly, exactly. Um, awesome. And so, I think is there one more? There's this one more. <laughs> okay. And then I'm, I'm party uh, at his house, <laughs> right, right? Hot tub. I'm actually a sponsor of Real Bad, so I'll be at the Real Bad party. But immediately following Real Bad, um, I'm bringing the legendary Chusen Chavayos to yeah. the end up for an after hours party called Twisted. Twisted so at the end up, folks. At the end up. So you can get your tickets there at twistedafterhours.eventbrite.com. That's uh, for those who don't know. That's San Francisco's local watering hole. Right yeah, le- I mean, it's legendary after hours place that's been there for yeah. since, who knows, since I was like a baby. Yeah. Oh, it's not. Which I, was not that long ago. No, that, that's. Slow your roll. That's, well, how, how old is that venue? It's been there. It seems like it's been there for a decade. At least. Yeah. I, I think it's literally like the, the, six, the late 74. 60s, early 70s or something. So, like, I think it was yeah. 74. Yeah. 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 So. A famous place. So the end up uh, located. Do you know the address? Uh, I don't know the actual address, but it's on 6th and Harrison. 6th and Harrison. You can't. I mean, you just have to go on, on the online. You'll find it. Yes. Yeah, so events galore, galore. this weekend. Um, so everyone wants to know brian how will you be dressed um i i I think i'm gonna um maybe wear um leather okay you know something different yeah yeah yeah, instead of of going naked this year you'll wear some leather yeah yeah no i'm definitely not going naked i'm in work mode so it's a little different my Uh, outfit's not so important to me anymore right because you're like producing all of the events Uh, right so i i want comfort so i like to wear sneakers when i'm running around for hours he's in an ac like a portable (laughs) trailer on the side behind the stage exactly (laughs) running everything exactly um wow so you actually are though the man in at the like in control of the events not in control but like you know overseeing and producing yeah it's it's cool i mean you know being a performer it's kind of going into that area it's it's natural i think as you as you know you know to kind of know what people want to see hopefully and have you always been producer minded um i have it was was more in my head kind of i call it it was more a little little more judgy you know it was more like this is my party i would have done it this way you know performing at so many yeah um so now i get to kind of do what what you know what i would have done so it's 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 cool it's like what would be an example what is like one of the hardest challenges of doing that would you say of I mean, the biggest thing is just making sure that you get enough people to come to your event. I mean, you got to pay for your event, so you're taking a risk on the front end saying, this is how much we're going to spend, this is how many tickets we need to sell, mm-hmm. and you just need people to come so you can pay your bills. And you know? what is the one tool in the toolbox that would like get people to come? 
Well, you know, sometimes it's a performer, sometimes it's a DJ, sometimes it's a location, sometimes it's something as like unique as the cruise. So, so you're it, thinking about all of this of when course. you're, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, you ha- you have to because yeah. you're trying to see like what what's what can maximize. Make, yeah, what's going to make this different? <laughs> Why does somebody want to come to my event versus another event that might be happening at the same time? Yeah. So it's you know as 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 I as I knew and as I certainly working with Audrey Joseph learned um, as well as you know when people feel like you you know you give a shit and that you actually put time and effort and thought <laughs> into what you're doing and people get the most for the dollar people want to be a part of it awesome yeah and do you have a name for your production company uh, it's brian can productions well Real there you simple. go can't Real get it pretty pure <laughs> yeah very easy <laughs> so let's put the business side over to the right yeah or the left or the left or, or the top or, or the bottom yeah and uh let's talk about your uh you're also an artist yeah. you, you're you're a singer yep and you've had some hits on billboard Yes, and I rumor has it that you have a new product coming out, a new new EP. I do, so I'm super excited about this. Uh, it's been a while, you know. Owning owning the nightclub beatbox really took up a lot of my time. Yes, and so I kind of, I kind of, I, I think I released one single during that time, uh, just just because of time. And so now that the club, I sold the club, and now mm-hmm. I get to kind of move on to these ventures that I love. So besides producing events, um, I get to get back into music and start working with artists that uh, that I've been wanting to work with for a long time. Um, yeah. from different producers to also different um, vocalists. So a really exciting things coming up. I have a really exciting project that um, I, I won't tell exactly what it is right now, but it involves oh, okay. other artists and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an EP that involves myself doing different um, numbers with different, different other artists. So, so it'd be like Brian Ken featuring um, it'll be, yeah, it'll, featuring, yeah, ex- something like that. Yeah, I might have given them a little bit more credit because they're a oh. little bit bigger than me, oh. but uh, but it'll be something like that. Like Martha sure. Wash featuring Brian Kent. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something like that, yeah. Are you still working it out? I'm still, well, I'm still working the title out. I haven't, okay. I've, I've got the concept, but what we call it, you know, that's up for debate, so. <laughs> well, when do you think this will all drop? Um, right now, we're planning to drop in the new year. So I'm going to oh, okay. get through Folsom. Not too long. Yeah, not too long. And hopefully everything will be ready to go and we can start uh, pushing it and artwork and production and everything ready to go. So Great. Yes. Now, folks listening to us want to follow you. What's the best way to do that? Uh, you can follow me. My website is briankentmusic.com or you can follow me on Facebook um, at facebook.com forward slash Music. Yes, briankent.com really doesn't get any easier than well, that. Well, it's briankentmusic.com. Oh, briankentmusic.com. There, there, there's another actor in New York named Brian Kent that who doesn't bitch. have anything, but he will not sell me this website. So it's briankentmusic.com. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Brian, you're looking real buff. Been working out again. I, I have, actually. <laughs> Let me feel those but muscles. Thank you Ooh. for the compliment. Uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I uh, yeah, I've been actually working out a lot. So ah, do you have a trainer? A, I had a trainer, and then he moved, which I thought my life was going to end. Oh, and actually, I started working out more when he left. So oh, this good. is a good thing, right? Oh, yeah, double double positive. This, this is a, saving some money and, and saving some money <laughs> and feeling better. And yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been great. Well, Folks, look for all the photos he'll be posting this weekend at the Folsom Street Fair. Oh, yeah, for sure. In his new leather gear. (laughs) (laughs) And do uh, come to all or, uh, yeah, all, you heard us, all of the events that he's putting on this weekend. Follow him on his webpage, briankenmusic.com. And I forgot to say, we have a surprise happening on the main stage at the fair mm-hmm. at, um, at uh, I think it's happening at 4.15 p.m. So if you're around and you're at the fair, come by at 4.15. I'm going to be main em- stage. I'm going to be emceeing the main stage. And so uh, that's another thing I've read. Mm-hmm. But I'll be emceeing the main stage. And there's a big surprise um, for one of the performers that are going to be coming out. Uh, so 
be sure to come check a it out. A big surprise for one of the performers. One of the performers is a surprise that we oh. have not announced. Well, can we happening. get an exclusive on House of Pride Radio? Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm under contract that I can announce it, but just like it involves, uh, two DJs that you probably would not expect to see together. Okay. You heard it here on House of Pride Radio, 4.15 PM at main stage this weekend, Folsom Street Fair on Saturday then? Uh, Folsom Street Fair is on Sunday. On Sunday. Yep. <laughs> I know there's so much. We need to... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, sit, I'll, I'll, hold, I'll hold your hand through the weekend. Okay, we'll get honey. There. It's like Leather 101 for a tweaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's go out with the bang. I'll dedicate this song to you. Thank you. Oh, before we go, you have something tonight. Uh, oh, yeah. Every Wednesday, I'm at The Edge. I do uh, Musical Wednesdays, a complete other side of my life, which was Broadway mm-hmm. and musicals, which I did many, many years ago. So I host a night um, uh, at The Edge. It's musical theater. It's a, one of the funnest nights, I think, in the Castro because everybody comes in. It's packed. Everybody sings. Everybody listens to musicals. You know, it's super gay. <laughs> but we, but we, we have, we have, you see some of the, like the butchest looking guys just screaming out, hello, Dolly. And it's, it's quite something to see. It's, it's without thinking, just answer this question straight off the top of your head. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite Broadway song? Waving through a window from Dear Evan, Nevin Hansen. All right. That's currently, yes. Can we get a, a, a line? Can you sing a line for us? Uh, <laughs> As he clears his throat <laughs> and put on the spot. Uh, no, I don't think I have time. <clears throat> Hold on. <laughs> Um, we start with stars in our eyes. We stop believing that we belong. Waving through a window, oh, I. Waving through a window. All right, let's get a nice round of applause for Brian Kent. Thank you so much for Thank joining us. Thank you so us. much. Yay. We'll leave it out with this song from Tweak It to Brian. Thank you. You're welcome. See you again real soon, Brian.
All right. Well, <laughs> welcome back to House of Pride Radio. This is your host, Tweeka Turner. It's another episode of House of Pride Radio, live from San Francisco's Fabulous, having our, all our guests here today. A lot of local luminaries, uh, three of them in the room. We just had Brian Kent. He's off to the edge. Folks, go catch up with him later when you're in San Francisco looking for something to do at the edge this evening with Brian Kent. But right now, uh, the opposite of Macho Man. We have three ladies with us sitting in the room. Uh, let's go around the room. Go right ahead. Piper McGroin. I'm Donna Persona. Katie Connery. I'm the executive director of the Tenderloin Museum. Welcome. Collective applause. You can hear it on everyone around the city clapping right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so why don't we start with um, the Tenderloin Museum? Okay. So have you been there before? Or? I've heard about it. Okay. And so I think I've walked past it once. We opened two years ago with the idea of serving and celebrating the neighborhood, uh, giving it back its lost history, and that uh, that could be a positive thing for the neighborhood, help give it a sense of identity. Yes, because uh, and can, you don't mind if I interject you. Not at all. <laughs> because when I live in the Tenderloin, and, and when oh, I walk okay, past great. there every day, uh, the first things that come to my mind are um, uh, the stents of human waste. Yeah, we're trying to tell more of the story, like not whitewash over the realities of the neighborhood, but there's a lot of really interesting um, and important cultural and historical things that happen there that a lot of I people always don't wondered know about. about that. And one of the cornerstones to our permanent collection, which is about the history of the neighborhood, is the fact that the Tenderloin was the first gay neighborhood in San Francisco. And the gay civil rights movement really started in the Tenderloin and then spread to the rest of the city and eventually the rest of the country. And that's a history we're really proud of. Is that one of the aspects of the history that you focus on at the museum? Absolutely. I would say it's really like a cornerstone to our oh, collection. Oh, the cornerstone. Yeah. And then we, so we also do, <laughs> we also do like weekly public programming. So everything from like film screenings to art openings to literature and a lot of our events are queer themed. So you, I, I am, I'm, you actually mm -hmm. go out into the neighborhood also, right? The, the, oh, the tour, the walk. Yeah, yeah, we do walking tours. You know, uh, um, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, one of the things I've always wondered is why was the district known as the Tenderloin? So it refers to bribes. Bribes? Uh, yeah. So a tenderloin, <laughs> there were uh, tenderloin areas of every major U.S. city, areas referred to as the tenderloin um, in the past. Does Ours, that mean like the underbelly? or No. So cops, it originated in New York with a cop bribing that he could afford the nicest cuts of meat because he was getting bribes from working the vice area. Okay. So the vice area being like primarily gambling some uh, prostitution yeah, yeah. and so ours is actually the only district that maintains its name we're the last tenderloin so it's mm -hmm. was it always called the tenderloin or was there another name yeah yeah i mean the history of the tenderloin really starts like after the 1906 earthquake because the neighborhood was burned to the ground primarily so it was rebuilt right after the earthquake using all brick which was considered an earthquake safe material oh uh, yes but not retrofitted <laughs> yeah and so uh yeah the name originated in like the 1910s 19 teens and it stuck since then. was it always brawly and kind of like <laughs> to some degree although in a very different incarnation mm -hmm. um you know it's always been a hotbed for like activism and I think it's always been a safe haven for people that don't fit into society's mainstream 
Um, but in the past, like in the 20s and 30s and 40s, it was the nightlife capital of the Bay Area. People Seriously. from all walks of life mm-hmm. would come like dressed to the nines for a nice night out. And the underground economy was primarily gambling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so seedy, so but in a different way. And what? Where was there a strip that was characterized by the nightlife back in the 20s, 30s? Um, a lot of Eddie Street, which is actually the street that the Tunnerly Museum's on, and that oh, also cool. Eddie Street <laughs> mm-hmm. and like Turk Street was then in the 60s when it became the gay neighborhood and referred to as the gay ghetto, were streets that a lot of um, trans women lived. Because in on Turk, Turk and, Turk and what? Turk and Eddie. Well, Turk yeah. and Taylor was kind of like the center of the scene, which is where the Compton's Cafeteria was. I'm trying to think what's there now. I know there's the YMCA uh, well, used to be Aunt there. Charlie's <laughs> is still a it's the only one beautiful. Yeah, that whole area used to be just bursting with energy and Get nightlife and here. gay bars and that's now the it's scariest Aunt place Charlie's. to walk except for Aunt Charlie's Aunt Charlie's <laughs> is like the light like down the road well is the police department's around there too now and yeah the police department's actually right by the museum it's yeah like, uh, and, and oh isn't there a nice and I think park that's a good thing <laughs> I, I feel like there's a, a new park there with a basketball court uh, Bo Decker Park is like a really success story for the neighborhood it was um, you know kind of a place with just drug dealing and then they really got the whole neighborhood to buy into it being turned into a park for kids yeah and everyone really respects that and there's uh, classes and programs for kids every day there you know I find it fascinating that that area that we're talking about now used to be the mecca of where nightlife used to be in the 20s and 30s i always thought it was up on polk street by where the cinch and there used to be a lot of gay bars up there yeah Yeah. i mean it kind of moved from like eddie and like turk and then over to polk and then to the castro pretty much the gay gay culture now donna you've been a part of that uh, have what? I think <laughs> a part of the gay culture yeah and, uh, <laughs> back in the 30s no I'm <laughs> no that's no, not right. true not quite the 30s but no, the, the 60s the, the 50s late yeah. 50s were you I, the, I didn't see I was going to ask you about if you were here in the 60s 70s and 80s but then I, I stopped myself because I thought you said you moved from somewhere else uh, I, I lived in San Jose San Jose San Jose yeah but as I told Out Magazine, I, as a teenager, 18 or so, uh, I, won, I was searching for a faggot life. Yeah. San Jose in Did, the 60s didn't cut it. was so covert. I mean, there, it didn't exist, really. Yeah. And so I got on a uh, Greyhound bus, and I came to San Francisco. This is before Caltrain. <laughs> yes, and... Uh, I first found uh, Market Street, that's obvious, and uh, I walked along Market Street and I saw these good-looking guys, but only one singular in the storefronts after, after hours. The meat rack. Yeah. as it was referred to. Where yeah. was this? On Market Street. Along Market Street. Male hustlers. On Market, the whole yeah, Market Street? Grand Boys. Like no. Market and Sixth or something? <laughs> uh, I wasn't actually All the way there. to... <laughs> I can only yeah, speculate. Yeah, around now. I know. I was but thinking the same thing. I, where is this We've street? actually shown a film called The Meat Rack, which is from that time period, and we've shown a couple of, like, both Gay San Francisco, which yeah. is a documentary. Yes. Doing air quotes on the radio doesn't work. <laughs> so your museum is uh, multi multi-medium uh, film and what else? Tell Live us. performances. Oh, oh yeah. How exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Tell folks where they can get tickets or how, how do you go about 
gaining entrance. Well, you can get tickets online or just show up at the museum, um, 398 Eddy Street at Leavenworth. 398 Eddy Street, and you're open every day? Yeah, from 10 to 5, and then we generally do evening programming on Thursdays from about 6 to 9, but I want to specifically mention that the play that Donna helped, that we're producing, that Donna has been co-authoring. Now, I heard about this. How exciting. It's on Tuesday next week, September 26th. Oh, it's coming up. You guys have been rehearsing for some time. 26th of September. It's a workshop for a a play, mm -hmm. yeah, about the Compton's Cafeteria Riot, which was the first known militant resistance from the gay community to police harassment Mm -hmm. in the United States three years before Stonewall. Oh, so 1966? 67. 67. And so Donna and uh, Colette, who are two um, drag performers, you know, that's how we originally met them Mm because they were in James Hosking's film, Beautiful by Night. I introduced them to Mark Nasser, who actually is the creator of Tony and Tina's Wedding. And the three of them have been writing the play for over a year. And we've had two workshops that were completely packed, and this is our third. So the third one is next... Tuesday. Next Tuesday yeah. night Tuesday at 6.30. And folks can get tickets or do they just show up? Or? Yeah, it's free. You know, mm-hmm. suggested donation, but since it's a workshop and we're really yeah. soliciting community feedback, there isn't a cost. So folks, if you're looking for something interesting to do, stop by the Tenderloin Museum next Tuesday, 6.30. Well, I say get there at 6. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is there a concession stand? Yeah. Just show up. All you need is right there. You yeah. get. You might even meet Donna. Oh, you'll mm-hmm. definitely yeah. meet Donna. <laughs> definitely will. Yeah. So, um, the, the com- what was it called? The Compton Riot? Compton's, Compton Cafeteria Compton's, Riot. Yes, yeah. thank Compton's you, Piper. Cafeteria Riot. Screaming Queens is the documentary that really brought attention to... Yeah. Other than that, it was essentially like a lost historical... 1967... Over in the when where did this take place? What venue? No, I'll ask you. Have you heard of that film, Screaming Queens? No. So no. yeah, it was the Compton's Cafeteria was like a safe haven for uh, Queens at the time. It was like one of the only restaurants that would serve them, and the police raided it and they fought back against them. And Donna wasn't there that night, but she was part of that scene and she used to hang yeah. out at the Compton's Cafeteria, so she knows. Where a lot was about it, Donna? It. Where is it located? Turk and Taylor. <laughs> Across the street from Aunt Charlie's. Yeah, across, across the street from Aunt Charlie's. Right oh my God! Aunt Next Charlie's. time I go to Aunt Charlie's to dance, I'm going to look yeah, across the street and, and imagine. There's a mural there now. It's just okay. Yeah, yeah and for a while, <laughs> for a while, it was a uh, a venue for transgender events, and uh, I think it was like a resource center and a referral center for transgender people. That place yeah. now. Piper, I feel like you know all about this. Oh, I, I know a fair share, um, but not all about it. Uh, Compton's Cafeteria, I've actually been following along since the Trans March two years ago, which helped, also happened to coincide the same time I started my transition as well. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, Hollywood tried to release this um, movie called Stonewall, which was completely whitewashed and not very well. It wasn't a Stonewall, it was a whitewash. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, With a lot of white people. Exactly. Uh, And so that kind of led my curiosity and got a little bit more delved into the history of what the Trans March Compton's Cafeteria Riots and what the gay history is of San Francisco. And it's been a blessing to actually learn more about the history of our culture and everything that we can find about it. I totally agree. I mean, it is fascinating that before Stonewall, it it went down here. Absolutely. And it was going down all over the country. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
people were fighting back. People just had enough. Yeah, people had enough. The particular story somehow got buried. You know, it mm-hmm. had, this event occurred, you know, unlike Stonewall, it occurred and somehow got buried. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Susan Stryker, the, the director and creator of Screaming Queens, she was working uh, with the city and going through uh, archives. She said she would spend her days looking through things, looking for gay and hopefully transgender At things. At the uh, GLBT Historical Society, yeah. she was going through their archive. Yeah. Oh, and she did. She rediscovered and she, it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, then she, she, she interviewed a bunch of people. And the documentary is really inspiring. We've definitely screened it at the museum before. We have. If you come to the museum, you can see clips of it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely recommend watching it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would that, love to see it. Have you seen it, Piper? I actually have not heard about it till today, but I'm definitely going to be hunting for a copy of it now so I can really be part of. More it's knowledgeable. Readily on available online. Yes, yeah. I wish you would. It's a, it's a wonderful film. And it tells the story of that night. I imagine you, yes. you, you're in the film, you're being interviewed. Uh, no, I'm not in that film. Oh. But uh, Felicia Flames is. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how I learned about the story. Uh, I, I met Felicia Flames and Vicky Martin. What a great name, at, Felicia uh, Flames. Yeah. What a beautiful name, yeah. yeah. She was on fire. The girl is yes. on fire. Yeah. I'm sure people play that song for her all the time. Yeah, she's a, a Latina spitfire, uh-huh. yeah, Felicia Plains. But she is in the film, and uh, she and I were both hot box girls at the same time when Miss Vicky Marlene was managing the show. Yeah. At Aunt Charlie's. At Aunt Charlie's. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even back then. So, so then uh, Felicia got me involved with these events connected to the film, uh, Screaming Queens. And uh, so I was on a committee with her. And so that's how long I've been interested and involved with Gene Compton's Cafeteria Riots. Which story. used to be across the street from Aunt Charlie's, but it used to be across yeah. the street. No and, longer uh, is. Obama mentioned it in his speech, Pride Month, um, in the same sentence as Stonewall recently. So that oh, historical yeah. incident has come a long way in getting recognition. Actually, he 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 gave us like a what, national and global yeah. recognition. What do you think that contributed to that exposure? Do you think it was the film, one of the films? Uh, for him, him knowing about it. Yeah, for people. Well, I, I, I think somehow or rather somebody. Uh, somebody their research, the, the, yeah. The way that uh, Obama has been a big supporter of the LGBT community, I'm sure he's had advisors and people yeah. researching for him and getting him all the information because the amount of knowledge that he has already had before even come up to the podium has been phenomenal. And the stuff that he's done to help out our our gay brothers, sisters, trans is been absolutely through the roof amazing. I mean, I think it really sums up like what the museum's all about. Like, I think showing that kind of history of like marginalized people is so incredibly important and mm-hmm. that's like something where it's a, bit, a huge part of what we do it's fascinating that Anne Charlie's is um, this uh, kind of like a bedrock um, long, the longevity involved in all of that that venue has gone through since those days to yeah. now yeah. still there shining bright yeah I don't I don't remember it you know when I was going to Compton's I don't remember what was it well, yeah, Aunt, Aunt Charlie's opened in the 80s. Oh, it opened yeah. in the 80s. Oh, but, okay. uh, there it's was not that, that old. Whole, uh, whole street was just filled with amazing gay bars, though, at that time. Really? That yeah. street? I would never have guessed. 
Can yeah, you, Gilded Cage, I think, was a very popular Cage, one. Vicky Marlene checkers, performed there. It was a How, where was that? What's there now? Like a grocery store or something? Yeah, it was right. It was right down in that area. I can't tell you exactly, there's, but there's that not was much really... going on there other than Aunt Charlie's. I can't. When I think of that street, I see like a parking lot and some apartment buildings. Yeah. Yeah, it can run down uh, auto shop right across the street. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a bathhouse. Oh, yeah. That auto shop used to be a bathhouse house called the Bulldog, I believe. Why yeah. did all of these venues close? Is there not a demand for those places, or did the, the governments shut it down? Well, you also take a look at around in the 80s when HIV and AIDS was starting to become an epidemic. Bathhouses, especially in San Francisco, were shut down out of risk of spreading it because they didn't really know an understanding of it. Steamworks is pretty much the only bathhouse in um, California, to my knowledge, that's still up and running. That yeah, that's but, in uh, San Jose. Uh, no, Berkeley. Oh, in you're Berkeley. Thinking, you're thinking of the uh, tea garden. That's someone you go to. I have not been there, Donna. Don't project. <laughs> uh, Projecting here. But no, San Francisco put a complete ordinance that no bathhouses are oh. within the city limits, just to help try to prevent the spread of HIV. Okay. Why do you think the Gilded Cage closed? Did they just sell the business, or? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really oh. know. In the documentary um, about Vicky Marling called "Forever's Gonna Start Tonight," she definitely describes how there was all these amazing bars for drag performances, and then they all kind of started shutting down. But we really don't yeah. know a lot about the history. I, of I'm totally why. amazed that I, I'm. I, discovering that that was the street that was happening i mean i know deco loungers around the corner a little bit on uh on po was it on poke or larkin larkin, larkin. larkin. Mm-hmm. and that was a survivor for some time and oh, then yeah. even that closed down well, that's what's kind of amazing about the tenderloin is that it's still got these like older gay bars that are not many like, though well the gangway and aunt charlie's specifically but yeah the and then the cinch is, is a, yeah yeah and then yeah, that's and it that's i think cinch, that's yeah. it piper Except the gangway has plans to shut yes. doors pretty soon yeah. there's talks about um you know conserving it like potentially moving it to a different location but um there's nothing definite about that yet yeah so so there's three remaining gay venues left in that whole area but you know something else about (laughs) that that strip and that time it was uh very very special it was special it was wonderful and uh in a way that it can't be now because everything was kind of a secret society. Mm-hmm. It was a secret society. And I used to go to the Gilded Cage, and you know, one thing, that, that place and some others, uh, you didn't know, like, like they didn't have posters and they didn't advertise on the radio or anywhere. Everything was kind of uh, covert and, and hidden. Yeah. And, and you, it, you found out by word of mouth and you would, uh, like, at, at the Gilded Cage, it would be a bar that is not necessarily gay. You can't see it if you walk in to be gay. And, and uh, if the cops came in, you know, you could just butch it up or whatever. Yeah, butch it up. Yeah. But yeah, back in, back in, back in <laughs> the yeah, past, they had uh, even, like, servicemen would get in trouble if they were seen in their uniform in gay bars. So they even had lockers so they could... Oh, change isn't that wonderful yeah yeah you know that made everything more different special. entrances yeah. and things like that i know what you mean donna yeah no, I, I, it was like going to oz yeah you know like uh, and these people i can really let my hair down yeah you know really be comfortable with everyone that's seeing you and interacting with them and it just was special but back to the uh, gilded cage uh, at the back at the back of the bar would be a, a 
black curtain. Well, like at midnight, at the midnight shows, you go back there, and then there's a, a stage, and Charles Pierce yeah. and uh, uh, Rio Dante and, and uh, Sabu. You know, there, there were different people, and, and Miss Vicky Marlene would be a guest. And, and uh, you know, I'll say it again: like the shows were better there, and they seem to, because you know they're more rare. Mm-hmm. They're more rare. And if you know anything about Charles Pierce, he he's great. He's the, he's, didn't he do a great Betty Davis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What yeah. a dump. Fantastic. Yeah. What a dump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what he's featured in. Um, Gay San Francisco is this uh, kind of pseudo-documentary film that's featured in Screaming Queens, clips of it. And then... Uh, we, so we found out about it through Screaming Queens, and then we looked into getting it preserved, and we worked with the California Preservation Program mm-hmm. to digitize the uh, 16 millimeter that hadn't really been ever seen for an audience before. Um, other Thank you for doing that. And it's really. amazing. Like Our audiences love it. We've screened like a shorter version of it using uh, the version that uh, Susan Stryker and Victor Silverman, the directors of Screaming Queens, had, and then... We recently preserved the longer, you know, the entire film and screened it uh, recently. And just everyone loves this movie. And there's a great extended drag scene on on the levee, which is an older gay bar. And um, there's a lots of great um, Charles Pierce oh, scenes. Yeah. Yes, and, and it's really kind of it's it's half like a Mondo film, like kind of an exploitative documentary and half just like a really earnest insider's look at gay life um, mm-hmm. from like 67 to 71 when it was shot. God, I wish I was around back in those funky 60 days. Well, you can watch that online now on the Internet Archive. Anyone listening to us can. Uh, this is a good way to step back in time and see the history of, of the gay LGBTQ but, community you know, along with the fun, fun times, though, it was more dangerous. <laughs> yes, there's always a two-sided. Yes, yeah. it was much more. Did dangerous. you? I, I never asked you the last time you were here, but did you ever encounter danger back in the day? Uh, not personally, but the closest I, I did was uh, at the time that I used to go to uh, Compton's. I, I got a boyfriend. You know, I, I wasn't oh, you, even a drag. Was he in the navy? Uh, no, he wasn't in the Navy. He was a cute white guy that I thought was so young looking. But I want to tell you why. Uh, and he had a car. What was his name? Car. Do you remember? Uh, I don't even remember his name. Oh, my God. You just remember his oh, car. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm but I, I, but I want to tell you why I broke up with him. He would drive me around. You know, like, this is my man. I'm sitting next to him. You, the window would be rolled down. This is my man. This is my man, yeah. And we're driving around, even the tenderloin. A lot of hairspray. Yeah, he has a car. Promenading. But what happened was uh, the car got shot at. Oh. They, they were shooting at him. And, you know, I, I uh, gra- got grazed. No, I'm kidding about that. But, you know, the bullet I, I, stopped in your hairspray hair. I had to break up with him after that. No, it it uh, it woke you was, up. Like, the bullet, big time drug dealer. Oh, see, like, girl. But see, uh, he was so clean cut and so cute and so white. I think that was how he could do that work. God, that happens every day. <laughs> I, that I feel like that hap- scene plays out every day in the Tenderloin. <laughs> now there's so, so many, the so much drugs. Has your building been vandalized yet? No, I mean, we have really positive relationships with our neighbors, um, but I mean, it can happen to anyone for sure, yeah. but um, we've had, you know. 
I, I'm sorry to come so crass at you, but you know, there's a lot of like you know tagging in the neighborhood. And, yeah, you know. but let me defend it a little bit. Like, okay, I, I live on Market <laughs> and Franklin. Yes, and they call it the the Hayes Valley, and I encounter human excrement and, yeah. and needles mm. and the worst kinds of things. I don't have to go to the tunnel line for that. It's even there. You could even go to the Castro for part of it, too. I know. It's getting bad there lately. So, uh, like, four of my friends have had their cars broken into, stuff taken out. I've read stories where people have been sisters of professional indulgence were beaten on a pink Saturday night a couple blocks from the Castro itself. The city in general, you can't really throw a brick, pun intended, to without getting somebody getting but, hurt or something. But, you know, because of the... Um, prospect of danger from, from you know the the authorities to everybody else uh, at least with these transgender women that went to Compton's we had each other's back was there good security at that venue was there security no no it was less of a venue and more of like a Diner, but there was, oh. it was a diner. It was a I've diner. got to come and check out the fo- the film and yeah. these photos, yeah. probably. Yeah, like uh, well, what are some famous ones now? An all night diner, like, like um, oh, all night, like a uh, little off Mel's, in Andy's, like Mel's. Oh, Mel's, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, was, you go there any time of the day or night, and then there it was would just be a, a diner that happened to they would serve the queens, and know? there would be no, a show no, there because no. oh. it was they would just hang out there. Oh, it was and, the like, hangout place, yeah, they would buy like a cup of coffee and then get to. And then hang out there for hours and see I all love their friends. It. Oh, okay. No, yeah. actually, I you like remember the say. Lafayette Diner around the corner? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that place was great. With that, the sign is still there, but it closed down. You should buy that sign. What are they going to do with that? Well, the Lafayette Diner reopened on Larkin, but without their <laughs> without their cool sign. Yeah. And then I think another um, another venue is going to go in there. Actually, tentatively. Um, vacation might move there, which is what are a, they going to do with the Lafayette sign? I, they probably will just restore it and turn it on like that. I, I hope so because yeah, that's like an iconic kind of. Yeah, how would you describe that? Is that a certainly? Is that, that's not like a deco look or anything. Yeah, Almost I mean it's deco. it's a neon sign, yeah. um, and there's been this huge movement to put neon back on signs in um, the city and in the Tenderloin specifically. Like in the two years I've been working there, it's all lit up yeah now a lot of the signs have been north beach love that little yeah well all down market there like if you see a photo it's like it was totally like it it was so bright back in the day yeah and like if the film drugs in the tenderloin which is a documentary from 1967 we've shown like there's just so much light and activity and movement in the tenderloin and like the market street area and there's the movement that putting neon signs back up is historically accurate it's aesthetically yeah. pleasing and it's safer to have this unless it's too lit. big there's that one on like sixth or seventh street there's like a blue sign it just has the name of a, can't remember what it says but it's huge and it's like wow it's like an eyesore that's the only one but other than that i agree with you well it was yeah i guess there was an article written about how neon was like an indicator of lascivious businesses and then there was like a movement to take them down especially Boring. pink neon square is just ruining everything <laughs> yeah yeah i can tell katie you're so passionate about this where are you coming from oh uh well i live a few blocks away <laughs> <laughs> um 
Uh, my previous work experience is I'm like, uh, was one of the group that rate fundraised to save Adobe books and move it to 24th street. And I, um, helped with their gallery and planned events there. And I've also worked at some larger museums doing event planning. So I come from like an event planning background. And what is, what drives you to want to preserve and, and share like history with people? Yeah, I don't have any, so I've always been really enthusiastic about history. It's just, it was always my best subject at school. I think I'm just one of those people that really appreciates, I really appreciate personal histories as well Mm -hmm. and our shared personal histories and culture. And I've, I think it's fascinating and super important. And I think when people understand history, they understand their own world and their own selves better. Mm-hmm. And that's why you and Don are bosom buddies. Yeah, <laughs> bosom we've buddies. been collaborating yeah. for a while. We, uh, I like to, you know, we go, I go to our shows, and uh, we've got a great community at the Tenderloin Museum, and we all support each other's different endeavors. And yeah, well, uh, and Charlie's, uh, I guess it's like home. You know, Tenderloin is home for me in a way, and and uh, and Charlie's certainly is. So it, it was a natural fit. Yeah, and I have I have really been devoted to this exact thing, uh, the the riot, since two thousand and nine, with that film, uh, Screaming Queens, because I was on a committee with Felicia Flames to begin with, and we that that culminated in a plaque that's uh, on the the sidewalk in front yeah. of uh, uh, the uh, diner. Chelsea Compton's. Manning recently on her Instagram is posing with a plaque, the Compton's Cafeteria plaque, and saying, like, our trans history is so important and beautiful. Um, I reached out to her <laughs> through Instagram about, you have to come to the museum. We, <laughs> we have this screening tonight. But, yeah. So the the Queens was sitting at the cafeteria and cops tried to arrest them in their full glory? Mm-hmm. And they, oh, threw, they would. They, they threw would a on... cup of, a queen threw a cup of coffee in the cop's face. Oh, good. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, don't mess with the queen when she's, like, dressed to the nines. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> exactly. It was like, don't mess with these lips. And <laughs> Unfortunately, back at that time, anybody who went out in drag was considered uh, indecent exposure. And a, oh, really? And so... Um, it was illegal to yeah. dress as... Oh, it was illegal? It was illegal. See, I never knew that. Even well, in San Francisco. They yep. were impersonating a woman. Yep. And so that's actually one of the reasons why um, the Imperial Council got created by Mama Jose Seria was because um, she was trying to host a fundraiser and police tried to raid... Uh, rate it for, uh, to stop the drags from drag queens from doing their thing. Uh, so by creating the Imperial Council, it was a nonprofit organization, which basically was a loophole for her to be able to have her shows without the police being able to interfere. Oh, that's and very. Now, here we are, fifty yeah. plus years later, still going strong and helping out nonprofit organizations, raising funds to help them keeping keep mm. going, as well as taking care of. LGBTQ issues. I mean, it's like a right away. If you live in San Francisco over two years, you should have a drag persona. You know, absolutely. And to think that even impersonating a female persona was illegal. Yep. Where does that come illegal. from? Is that a religious-based thing? Do you think? Or I mean, <laughs> like, where did those? How far back does that get rooted? That's crazy to me. It was against what was considered like a social norm and right. things that aren't social norms. People like to make illegal. In which case, if you look at the history, like way back in William Shakespeare's age, it was illegal for women to perform oh, in yeah. theater, so men had to dress yeah. up. 
as women to perform the female characters. In Romeo and Juliet, you had two guys. Yeah. A guy playing Juliet and kissing another guy who's playing Romeo. But now here we are so many years later, it's immoral for a guy to dress up as a woman? I mean, are you kidding? I wonder when it, it started to become like problematic for the, the social norm. Like, you know, at what point in San Francisco did you know, drag queens start appearing, you know, was it like 1898 before the earthquake? You know, it's like... Well, yeah, the Tenderloin <laughs> was like one of the only places where they weren't harassed as much and uh, Compton specifically like was one of the only places that would like serve them, mm-hmm. literally. But, but even being there, they had to wear something that's boys, a boy's clothes, something. And they often had like a, 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 not a button, but made out of cardboard or a piece of paper said, I'm a boy. And then oh, they really? would cover it with an artificial flower. Carnation wow. or something. And yes. hair fairies were a thing, so they had to wear masculine clothes, so they did these really elaborate hairdos. Oh, that's where so, those hairdos come from. Yeah. They still are in existence. Hair fairies. Yeah, so if you see this play, you'll learn a lot about that. How, really? How, okay. Yes. And the play is going to be an interactive play performed in a diner with the... Um, so you, you know, won't audience go, you won't go hungry with the okay. audience interacting with can you the order performers. some chicken <laughs> and that's gonna debut in February of Fish. next year at, at what venue at a little off in Andy's no it's not terrible to, to be determined <laughs> to be determined because there's that upstairs you can put props up there and lighting there's that like weird like it's like Six five feet high or something. Huh. It goes well, we're around. trying to keep it in the Sunderland or as close oh, to yeah. it as possible. The Lafayette yeah. Diner would have been perfect. It yes. would have to break in, take it over. Yeah, it's an empty space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Geez, anyone has any ideas? Uh, get in contact with Donna or Katie if they have a, a space that they can use. Yeah, yeah specifically any... a cafe. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something with you know and one a sink. That, uh, reeks <laughs> of the old world. And yeah. The the, the uh, plush, uh, what do you call them? The the, the seating, yeah. The yeah. boots. The, oh, you need boots. Well, yeah. we're hoping like, like an immersive experience will really help people to like empathize with the history in them. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I'm yeah. I'm just trying to roll in my mind like what would be a place in the Tenderloin that has that set up already. But though yeah. you could probably get props like a couple boots and tables if you. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're Work it working out. on it. <laughs> Does your museum have a, a room, a space that you can convert into a... Uh... Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we have a... The museum is an event space, but we're really trying to have it in a cafe. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the workshop will be at the museum on Tuesday. All right. Let's reiterate that. So this coming Tuesday at 6.30, folks, show up. The address is again... 398 Eddy Street. That's Eddie and Leavenworth. Yes. How exciting. Mm-hmm. So, and one of the characters yeah. is based on Donna. My God, Donna, you're just popping up everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they wouldn't let me play the role. Yeah. <laughs> she auditioned, she was denied. Years old. <laughs> yeah. And the actress yeah. that plays her is really amazing. Yeah, yeah. The, the story is Who's pl- Who wonderful. plays you? What's her, the uh, actress? Shane? Shane Zeldivar, yeah. who is a local young you know, baby queen, I'll call her. Yeah. But uh, the, the fun thing about that is, uh, as Katie mentioned, uh, Colette Legrand and Mark Natzer and I met weekly for over a year, and we're still doing that. And so a lot of work went into. Oh yes, developing and it, it, it this play. It was a play. beautiful way that it 
came about because Mark Nasser is a heterosexual man, married, and he doesn't know, he didn't know the history. And, and uh, so he, he uh, through Katie. Yeah, we came up with the idea together right after the museum first opened. He came, to, came in and I met with him and we looked at the exhibits and we talked about doing this and that was back in 2015. So that's really exciting for us to see this. Um, to see this happen and, yeah. then, and he asked you did he ask you like do you know anyone that could help me right and then i introduced him to donna and colette at our screening of beautiful by night which is james hosking's film about them performing mm. in aunt charlie's yeah. fabulous this uh, evolution of yeah. the work yeah and you know neither colette legrand colette legrand and i were there that night but she would hang out there and i did so we would get together with the playwright and we would just reminisce. And one thing that's been interesting for me is I'm reclaiming, recapturing memories. You know, I think mm -hmm. about I think about those. Days. I'll stick them in the jaw, honey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah so that's so uh, this was not just thing. a casual. We'd be casual about it and just talk about the good old days. Yeah. And, and then the the in an organic manner, the story emerged. And uh, I'm going to say I, I think it's brilliant because in, in a way we, we uh, characterize different ways of being transgender mm -hmm. in this story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the good, bad and the ugly yeah. and, and the ones that are trying to pass. You know, you yeah. get these concepts, pass as a woman, which was even more dangerous. So, you know, the, the viewer is going to get a taste of what it yeah. is like to mm -hmm. be transgender mm -hmm. in 1967. Okay. Well, speaking of evolving, uh, Piper McGrine is sitting with us now. Welcome. Thank you. The last time you were here, you were a man, and now you a, are a woman. Oh, no, no, dearie. Last time I was here, I was a drag queen. <laughs> now I'm a woman. I, In my personal opinion, I have never been a man. Yes, I had the male features, but personality-wise was a whole different ball game. Always felt like a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, growing up, I tried to be what everybody else told me I was supposed to be. and So, be, be a son, be a brother. And I tried to be whatever that meant to be, but at the same time, deep down inside, I was always uncomfortable with it. Yeah. I was too feminine, too emotional, too soft, air quotes, soft, to where it just... I was never one of those butch, masculine type of men, and I where where was home? Where did you grow up? Uh, I lived with a family up in Idaho. Oh, in Hi Idaho? Yes. yes. I came from a rural redneck town that basically I tell people, just go watch South Park and you get the idea. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, right. Uh, it, was a, it was the kind of town where you could still leave your doors unlocked. People knew your business within 10 minutes. I mean, the first time I ever brought a guy to the house I was staying at, Everybody was already out the windows look, trying to get a glance at them, so it was kind of... Was Did weird. you come out sexually there in Idaho? Oh, God, yes. I was, oh, okay, so uh, no holding you back, even though you felt uncomfortable. My graduate, just to give you an idea, my graduating <laughs> class was a class of 27. Okay. The yes. high school building actually housed K through 12 in the same building. Okay. Different sections, but same building. And uh, by... T oh, what was it? Freshman, sophomore? Sophomore year of high school... I was a goth kid, and then I came out as a gay kid. <laughs> what, pro what propelled you? 
to come out. Yeah. It was actually the silliest of things. I, my PE class just got done having a day of exercise or hour or whatever. We went back over to our health room to just like unwind, do some homework. And uh, three guys put country music television on so we could have a little background music. Here comes Shania Twain's um, it was a music video she did out in the desert. Man, I feel like a woman. No, no. That, don't, uh, that don't impress me that much. Impress me much. Oh. I just that recently one. found out that that was about her seeing a playgirl of Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this part of your story? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she's in the desert, scantily clad with that leopard outfit on. Yeah. The guys were all remarking about how hot she is, how amazing she looks. Oh, that voice of hers. Oh, and I'm God. still sitting there just focusing on my homework, trying to ignore, ignore the best out of them as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. When one of them, the, the biggest bully of the group, comes up to me and goes, "Well, what's the matter? Don't you find her to be hot?" <laughs> and I look up, I look up, and I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, leopard prey was kind of like 1974, <laughs> and uh, I can't imagine her not having heat stroke while doing this music video." <laughs> and they were like, "That's not the question we asked. Don't you find her attractive?" I'm like, "No." And so another guy came up and he's like, "Well, what's the matter? Are you gay?" And I'm like, "Yes." See, are you gay? What the wow? Man? That takes some bravery, girl. It, I'm, those boys like to run. I've seen them in PE class, but I've never seen them run as fast as the moment I told them that they had a gay guy in front of them. And, of course, the, you know, the girl in the room immediately came over and was, like, getting all inquisitive. She's like, oh, my God, that's so brave of you. Oh, my God, how do you really know? And I'm like, well, how do you know you're straight? Yes. I, I've always known. Yeah. I knew ever since I found uh, a Playgirl magazine when I was seven and found all those hot, muscular gods just walking around nude. So it's like, Were those your dads? Uh, no, I mean your mom's. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> it was in the bottom of a pile of Playboy magazines, but... Uh, I, well, I, that inspired the song. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. I, discovered, I discovered my dad's play play girl, right? Which one is... Playgirl? Playboy. Playboy, play Playboy yeah. For the Playboy <laughs> actually, Playboy he didn't... The women, yeah, girl. sorry. He actually had the nastier ones, like some like kind of like you hustler confused. kind of stuff. <laughs> and I was always attracted to the guys. Like, it was crazy. I would like go through the magazine looking at the guy, trying to get guy pics. Well, the funny yeah. of it is, as soon as I found that, then I was uh, going through a bookcase in the back of the, the adult's bedroom and down on the very bottom, I mean, who puts this stuff down by where kids can have access to it? But it was a whole <laughs> section full of sex books that talked about condoms, lube, positions. I mean, huh? one, one book I flipped through and this guy was having a three-way with two girls. And all I kept thinking is like, God, I wish I was one of them. Yes, <laughs> I can relate, honey. So there you are with these guys. You're in high school at this point and yep. you just like had enough and you're like, I'm gay. Yep. And they ran away. They ran. Uh, and of course, the, the one girl's like inquisitive and she's all wanting to know which guys in school I find hot. So oh, I'm, God. I'm trying to be quiet about it. In which case, one of the three brats who ran out of the room came back in. She's like, well, what do you think of him? I'm like, well, he's kind of halfway decent looking, but if he didn't have such an ugly personality, then maybe I would kind of consider him. He ran again. So I was like, I did my business. Did you date anyone in high school? No. Okay. Uh, did you have... Quickies. I, 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 crush, I had crushes. Did you have yes. fun? Uh, I had crushes. I bet word got around. Oh, it got it got so around that, um, like the one that the the one I told you ran a second time. He started telling everybody that he was going to beat me up after school. Oh no! Just for being gay, and he did that for an entire year. So one day I told told this girl that if he was, I mean, I walked out of the building with my head held high, waiting for him to be there. He was nowhere to be found. So. 
this one girl comes up she goes aren't you scared about him doing it? i'm like i've been walking out of the main building entrance every day since he started saying this waiting for him to to prove himself yeah and he and his clique are nowhere to be found so no i'm not afraid and of course the next thing i know he's coming in to corner me in the bathroom by himself that i've been talking smack about him and i'm like you just cornered a gay guy in a bathroom <laughs> by yourself no i am not afraid of you if anything i kind of think you're funny and in the back of my mind is like I could have used used this to my advantage. <laughs> he and I had sexual fun, but of course. I, oh my god! High I, school yank, angst. Yep. Uh, but then I graduated. You didn't I, get beat up at all. That thank God. No, 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 no. I think it was because of the fact I started off as a goth kid and people knew I was into scary movies. So yeah. I'm not too sure they would even try anything because I would know where to hide the bodies. Okay. <laughs> so that served as a beneficial. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Skill. <laughs> but um, let's jump ahead. So you, at an early age, you felt, you identified more as a woman, would you say? It took seeing a psychologist for me to actually start retracing uh, memories. In fact, there was even one time, even when I was way back seven, I, I dressed up as a girl just to try to impress some kids. And, that, you know, there were subtle hands throughout my entire life. I just never really paid attention to them because I was so focused on what everybody else told me I should be and what everybody else wanted me to be and so I was so busy trying to please everybody else that when it came to me I put myself last dead last uh, but it finally took a alcoholic relapse and seeing a <laughs> psychologist for me to finally start putting pieces together and then the straw that broke the uh, straw that broke all this was um, a friend as a joke sent me a video uh, live action and 3D animation combined of the male to female sexual surgery. And as soon as I got done seeing that, I was like, everything in my being screamed that that's what I want. I immediately called my psychologist. I'm like, we need to have a talk. And Oh, so that was a pretty profound moment for you to, to see that. Yep. What, what was it about that, uh, that made you come to the conclusion, all right, this is for me? Just seeing what the person was going through and how they fully explained what incisions were being cut where, what was being sewn here, and okay. the outcome. And I'm like, I was like, okay, well, that explains why I've never been comfortable with uh, what I call the mutation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, then more research on, my, on myself and some of my history. Just, I followed all the science and it was always meant to be. And yeah. now here we are two years later, I've already had one of two surgeries. And You and went for the big one first yes, yes which is from the people that i've spoken to have transitioned is the opposite from what they from what the doctors tell me and all the research i've done online that um some girls are comfortable keeping their lower areas they have no problem with it for somebody like me i've never liked it i can't stand touching it i've never even cared looking at it uh i even still went and sat down when i went to go to the bathroom because i just standing next to a urinal was little uh but According to the doctors, by getting, having the lower surgery first, you get more. You're no longer producing testosterone, so your body helps naturally change and develop and add more spots that you need more development in. More curves. More curves, yes, <laughs> especially in the chest area, which means by doing that, then I don't have to have as much of an implant put in than I would if I went the other way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's why I did the lower surgery first, and then I have the upper surgery coming in about a month or so. Oh, it's right around the corner. Yep. 
I'm getting it all done. I start with the lower name changes at the end of the month and then the upper surgery and I'll be done. But for most girls who keep the lower area, they have they get the upper area done. But let's say eventually down the road they decide they want to get rid of the their thing. <laughs> the thing. That man I, I, thing. I, I can't say the other words to describe it. It's, just, it's weird. They're junk. They're junk. We'll go with that. They're junk. Uh, once they go the to get junk. rid of their junk, then their bodies are actually going to start producing again. So the sizes that they were already comfortable with with their boobs will actually become bigger. Oh my God. So Bonus. <laughs> Yeah, and some will be comfortable. Dolly, they'll change the name to Dolly. (laughs) (laughs) Some will be comfortable. Others will go back in and have the implants. Oh, so you're like you were able to visualize kind of the the straightest path, so to speak. When I first started, (laughs) as a straight woman, yeah. When I first started um, doing drag again, I had a costume person who put me into a 38 double D, and I was like, every time I looked at myself. Dolly came to mind, and I, I do love my country goddess. I really do, but it just wasn't for me. So. The size that you're wearing today is that size you would be comfortable with. That is correct. In which case, for the audience who can't see me, I'm a 36. Visualize it. It's looking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. proportionally, it looks good. Mm-hmm. You're dressed in your beautiful floral yes, spring. Yes, beautiful dress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, courtesy of my drag mother, who's trying to get me out of my color comfort zone. <laughs> is that Juanita Moore? <laughs> Patty McGroin, Empress 48 of the Imperial Council. Awesome. Yep. Um, so you've had the operation, one of the two. How do you feel post? Amazing. Awesome. Uh, in fact, the doctors actually were in shock because I was um, 95% healed before I even left the hospital. Oh, you're a quick healer. Yep. Uh, the everything was set, everything was settling Good. and forming better than they ever anticipated. And I'm like, well, yeah, because I've been wanting to get rid of this mutation forever. My body was ready for it. Yeah, it was rejecting it already. Well, yeah, um, with the research for this, I studied fruits and vegetables to see what helps produce estrogen versus testosterone. And the number one thing I always kept coming across was tomatoes, in which case my egg donor ate tomatoes, nothing but tomatoes, the entire time that I was in her womb. And so that told me that my body was already fighting the testosterone and trying to reject it by re- requesting more estrogen-styled foods. and So that's why I never, to me, I never developed Adam's apple. Aside from the broad shoulders I still have, unfortunately, everything else about me was already pretty feminine. Now, um, uh, what is one thing that, that, you, that you feel now that you may not have expected? Is there anything that surprised you? or? Uh, the disownment from my blood kin was a complete dis- complete surprise to me. Um, I grew up in a grew up with people who said that they would love and support and stand by me no matter what I do. But the second I came out as this, the distance that started to form got very very bad. To where I'm actually very grateful for the family that I have down here that I've actually created myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, my drag mother Patty. My I, I have a sister from high school that. She's actually an adopted sister, but she's still a sister to me. And she's been by my side throughout everything, even way back when we were in high school together. And I love her dearly. And then, of course, I've been, you know, met other people who've shown support and understanding, and I've adopted them into my family. Mm-hmm. And so. That's what I, one of the things I love about San Francisco is how people do. This is a city that is nourishing for creating your own kin folk. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 
That's one thing we have here that hasn't that is too special to this area. I think. Well, I mean, considering the amount of people that are out in this world, that there there are boys and girls who are being disowned just for being gay, being lesbian, transgender, is another reason why people. And it's just because it's fear of not knowing. And even though with the blood can of mine, I sent them as many links, videos, information as I could to try to educate them. They still couldn't. Well, maybe, you know, it takes time as a friend and maybe they'll come around. And, 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 and. No, no, no. No? Can you say that 100%? They may, they may want to come around, but I have the option of, of letting them back in or not. Well, that's true. You, you are the captain of your own vessel. And considering the fact I needed them at the most important moment of my life, they couldn't be there, so I have no reason why I would want to. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's leave it at that. Yep. Uh, what do you have to tell us in our, our community of events that are coming up? Well, as uh, mentioned before, I'm with the Imperial Council of San Francisco, and we have the annual Mr. and Miss Gay pageant coming up on October 15th. Doors open at 5 with the pageant starting at 6. We are currently looking for contestants for both Mr. and Miss. Uh, anybody's welcome to be part of it gay, straight, trans, lesbian, anybody who's willing to perform and give back to the community by helping do fundraising efforts. We would love to have them uh, to compete. You can awesome. Where can they sign up or get in touch? The application is currently online at the SF Imperial website. Uh, San Francisco Imperial Court.org, I believe it is. Otherwise, just look up San Francisco Imperial Council and you'll find the website there. The application mm-hmm. is listed. Uh, deadline is on October 8th, I believe. Okay. And then we have the pageant itself on the 15th. Uh, the theme of it is called We Put a Spell on You, A Night of Imperial Magic. Mm-hmm. Anybody's welcome to come in. Uh, $20 are advanced tickets, $30 will be as of October 5th and clear up until we come to the front door. Uh, awesome. Fun costumes are encouraged. Yes, uh, we put a spell on you to, just to go, coincide with the uh, topical nature of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. By the way, everyone, you ladies are rocking your nails today. I noticed Katie's <laughs> and uh, Donna's. Look, everyone has a different hue. I love your uh, pipe is iridescent, purplish. What is the name of that? <laughs> Actually, I'm going to call it the Piper because it's like two, it's a shade of lilac with a metallic purple painted on top. Awesome. And Donna, you're wearing that classic turquoise Apple green. <laughs> Apple green, maybe. And Katie for purity. Why? It's the perfect summer <laughs> yeah. color. It's just, I can't yeah, stop yeah. wearing it. It's, um, you know, it's like part of your nail naturally is white so it's almost just like a kind of like an exaggeration and i just love it everyone's rocking it it looks like it right out of the you know the shop they just got the beauty shop uh on you with that and i love that what a compliment well, we want to look good come on out radio of, i know yeah. come out you know people are watching it's all for, it's all for <laughs> the listeners we'll take pictures and post it live on facebook uh but um, thank you for joining us. We have uh, one more guest in the green room. Uh, you guys will love him. Uh, Patrick Galignul. Are you out there still? Yeah. Come on in. Let's have a nice round of applause for Patrick. He's on, well, he's on his whirlwind tour with his Stoli brand and other ventures. Welcome. Come on in. Is there a chair for you? I can drag one in if you'd like. Oh. Uh, Pun intended there, Suica? Huh? Pun intended. Drag. Yeah. You know me. I'm always working the angle. Um, 
can can uh can you drag a chair in for him? There's a bunch of chairs out there. Well, Patch, yeah, just bring it. We're gonna take a short musical break. We'll be right back with more House Pride Radio. This one's for Piper. I feel pretty, oh so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and bright. And I pity any girl who isn't me tonight. I feel charming, oh so charming. It's alarming how charming I feel. And so pretty that I hardly can believe I'm House of Pride Radio saying goodbye to Katie and Donna. Let's have a nice round of applause for them. What fabulous guests. Folks, check out the Tenderloin Museum. Yeah, please. One more time for that address while you're here. 398 Eddy Street. 398 Eddy Street, right in Tenderloin. On the internet as well. Yes. Yes, September 26th. Bye, ladies. Bye. 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 Patty, are you leaving? I mean, um, Piper. Oh, did you want me to stay? You can stay. I, I want Piper want to, to stay. Stay with, stay with us, unless you're, you need to go somewhere. No, man. I have a seat, honey. The, the, more, the more McGroins, the better. I did not know that you were now, that you've been adopted by Patty. Yeah, she actually adopted me like a year and a half ago. Oh, my gosh. What a good family. Are you involved with the McGroin family? I've been a fan of the McGroin family for years. <laughs> I think I was a fan of the McGroin family when there was one McGroin. <laughs> now, now look how many there are. How many are there? Uh, technically, there's just the two of us. Uh, oh. Unfortunately, there were <laughs> it always seems like... Well, it's double. It was like the, Wal- the Waltons or something like that. There, there were two abortions before I came out. Oh. oh, really? Or murders? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think one came close to murder, but we had to get rid of her first. Oh, my Did goodness. Did you throw out a car window? No. No, this is actually... Uh, I just barely met Patty about the time that this all went down, and I don't know the details of it. So. Well, now she's got a strong sister in hand. In you? Well, daughter. Yeah, daughter. I, I don't know about that. I, I think I'll give her more gray hairs than she was anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> Patty. So, um, 
Patrick. Wow, we're doing a lot of peas today. Yeah. Pipe up, Patty. Mm-hmm. Patrick, welcome. Welcome. Good evening, Tweeka. Thank you for having me. You look fabulous. Thank you. You're, you're glowing, and the energy coming out of you is very intoxicating. Thank you. I wore a glitter hat just for you. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. And your lips, not glitter, but... Um, I mean, I am a glossy. bit toned. I am a bit toned down tonight, but it's you know. You're toned I, down. I dressed He's up a bit. Say, where's the K-liner? I know, right? <laughs> where's the disco aura? Oh, that's later tonight. <laughs> oh, it's Folsom weekend. It's going to be a big disco aura. Yes, yeah, so next Brian few days. Kent was here earlier. You missed him. Oh, Lady Kent. Yes, he's he's, <laughs> he's producing four. Uh, shows this of weekend. Of course he is. He uh, usually, I mean, that's not that's very few for him <laughs> for a weekend. Now, are you going to be involved in any of those? Or are you doing your own production? You know, actually, this weekend, the um, amazing thing is that it's technically a weekend off. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Tell the world again, how would you sum up what you do in our community? Oh, my gosh. It's a whole lot of glitter, a whole lot of travel, <laughs> a, um, a whole lot of getting to meet some amazing people all around North America. But um, I'm going into my one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth year mm-hmm. um, representing uh, an amazing historic brand, Stoli, which um, about seven and a half years ago put me on this adventure with a six-month contract that I think someone forgot to cancel. <laughs> Don't say anything. <laughs> and um, and um, what just what an incredible journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, from what I understand, I'm now the longest serving um, representative representative of Stoli in North America. Are you in the di- the division of LGBTQ or is it? I am, oh, and so I they actually yeah. I was wondering yeah, about from day one. I mean, from day one, it was a unique position that was positioned specifically as LGBTQ and all the rest. Um, and I've been adamant about keeping it that way. Even yeah. you know, seven and a half years later, one thing that's important to me is that I am very protective of the resources I've been granted for our community. We've come a long way quickly, but we have to remember it wasn't long ago that there weren't a whole lot of people marketing to us. And part of my job is to cut through the clutter yeah. um, and not just bring my resources to our community, to those who need it, but um, to really grow our community the best way I can. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking earlier that it was illegal even to dress up in drag not that many decades ago. Right. right. Well, what? I- 50 plus years, and now here, look at us. We got. You got we major got- brands pitching to us. Yeah, I mean, even, <laughs> even, mm-hmm. to, even uh, alcohol distributors like Coors Light are having a complete change of their policies regarding towards uh, gays and LGBTs. Yeah. I know Patrick has been doing amazing things, doing like uh, best bartender competition the key west cocktail classic oh, going into we- its oh, fifth God, year I, yeah i saw that yeah we've also been doing that here in san francisco with um who won by OMG the way and uh lookout mm-hmm. yeah. oh i try to involve as many um people and businesses as i can yeah. um yeah so we've had four winners actually um in our third year though was it for third or second second year was matthew mello from san francisco who now manages Bo. Mm-hmm. he was our second champion hey, uh, congratulations man. yeah we love matthew he got a great trophy um, um, incredible person and bartender. Um, last year was Rocky Collins I from Dallas, no. and um, this year we had our first um, our first woman, Kayla Hasbrook from New York City. And two weeks ago at Iconic Stonewall in the West Village, we had a celebration for her. And what makes the program really cool is that the bartenders win experiences, but the money they win goes for charity. So um, she won a, a, a to- we gave away a total of fifteen thousand dollars, and half of that two weeks ago went to Planned Parenthood of New York. 
Oh, great. Yeah. Does she get to keep the, the second half? No, that way oh. that goes, that goes to other charities. Oh, okay. <laughs> you always give some money back to her, to a charity in Key West as yeah. well. Great. And for as long as I've known Patrick, he's always been a big supporter of organizations who do fundraising works and mm-hmm. he, he has been an inspiration I never have got to tell you this, but you, oh, every time I see you out and about, you've always got a positive smile, radiant energy. You're always giving up a lot towards people who come in, and you're more than welcome to welcome them with open arms and have always been inspired by you. Well, thank you, Piper. That just made my whole, like, month or year, probably. <laughs> thank you. Wow, that's... That's, re- that's amazing. It was like a moment right here on House it, of no, it truly was. It truly was, and I could say the same thing about Piper, who I was listening to um, a little of your conversation, and oh. I... Fe- no, it was actually... I, I learned some things, um, and, and the, the more our community, you know... We, we speak about our experiences, the more even I know I'm learning. Gosh, there's so much. We think those people out there don't know everything. Even without our own community, there's so much to learn. But it, but it was making me think. I, was, I actually was thinking back to when I first met you. And what was interesting was, gosh, but is there ever a time I did not think of Piper as this lovely lady? And I and it's funny I've never really labeled you in my mind because you've always presented yourself so well and and you've, she's always felt like a woman. Yeah, you've always seemed so authentic. It never really crossed my mind until you're you're talking about it. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. So so you, so it's really beautiful to see any person, good person, becoming their most powerful and authentic self. So I congratulate you. Thank you. And to be honest, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of everybody that's involved with me, and especially. Uh, what was it? One night you were doing a musical Monday at the Edge. <laughs> at the Edge. Oh, gosh, I miss you those. Had, you had the performers from, um, what was it, Mamma Mia there. Oh, yeah. Loved that night. And I couldn't, re- I couldn't resist. I was actually kind of in a good mood. My bestie was in town, and we were all hanging out. And Patrick made an announcement. He's like, okay, we're going to give away free, a pair of free tickets to anybody who's willing to make a $100 donation. And I... Took a few moments, but I actually raised my hand up with one hundred dollar bill in there. Yes! Oh my gosh! Did you get the tickets? I remember. I the tickets. And we raised a bunch of money that night. Was it? I think it was for Broadway Cares. Yeah. Equity Broadway Fights Cares. AIDS. Incredible organization. So, like I said, I've known Patrick for so long, and he's mm-hmm. always been doing something, whether it's with Stoli or just something else with the community. Yeah. Where that was the one night where you and I really connected, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's because of the fact I donated $100. I mean, I that was that that was that was impressive. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you need someone with a, oh, that generous, like you were that night, to really kickstart yeah. a fundraising effort. And I remember we raised quite a bit of money, but so thank you. I can tell you guys are having a moment here. Do you do you want a hug? Oh yes. Oh God, yes. Mm. Oh, we got. Aww. My. That's it. <laughs> we, we could foxtrot if you want. Or we lower the lights here in the studio. Uh-huh. I, I just lit a candle. <laughs> Aww. Aww. No tears. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick is an amazing person. <laughs> yes, Patrick, you are a really light in the community. Lucky to have him. Well, you are you are too sweet. I, but I'm I am I'm so happy to be back home for a couple of weeks. And you're sitting right in front of Jesus. <laughs> oh, I, I am. Where is he? Right there. Oh goodness! And I he, probably course, need him in my life. He's all right in now. glitter just to honor oh! you. Folks <laughs> listening to us, we we have in our studio for like I think the last ten years a um, be how would you describe him a sequenced Jesus 
in the room, all done up in uh, sparkles. Mm-hmm. And well, a few sequences, but definitely a lot, a lot of glitter. A lot of glitter. Glitter Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Jesus of glitter. <laughs> My favorite kind of Jesus. Glitter Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. So you, um, welcome back. You've been traveling a lot. Huh? Yeah, just a bit. I um, Where was I? I um, Oh, yeah, I just got to do back-to-back two of my favorite conferences of the year. Um, two weeks ago, I was in Philadelphia for the annual National Lesbian and Gay Journalist Association Conference. Um, just an amazing group of journalists fighting for fairness and accuracy in reporting, particularly for our community and LGBT issues. And, you know, that's one of the best parts of my job is that when my company supports a conference like this um we don't believe that you just throw some money at it and walk away we want to show up and learn about the organization and i get to learn so much and then this past weekend in phoenix arizona my first trip to arizona was the annual um convergence of executive directors and boards and supporters of our community centers called centerlink the centerlink summit and it was really cool i got to give a, a little presentation attend their conferences and it was over this weekend i I, you know, I said something I was presenting and I said a word, just an extra syllable that I guess was not politically correct. And I learned even within our community, <laughs> we can cause an uproar. What was um, that extra syllable? So I don't mind talking about it because it's something I've looked at. I don't mind hearing it. Yeah, no, let me, so, um, so, um, so I was talking at one point, um, about the trans community. And um, I've been running around the country doing a video series called Heroes of Diversity. And some of the most wonderful interviews I've done have been with trans people, and I've learned a lot about myself. I've even had moments where, you know, I've had someone telling me, um, I was interviewing my friend Kimber in LA, and she was telling me that as a child, she would draw pictures of herself as a girl. And I, you know, I was realizing, gosh, since I've been little, whenever I see myself in an inverse situation, my brain's always gone immediately to, this woman on a cliff on the edge and the wind blowing in her cape. And it's always meant to be me, but I've never thought... What is your woman name? I, if I ever give Mine away my woman name, it's going to mean I'm going to become a drag queen. It's never too <laughs> And late I'm time. never going back. But um, anyway, so I, I was um, talking about the video series and I think that instance, and I simply said that, you know, the word transgendered with the ud. Oh. And that is 100%... I'm told something you never do. It's transgender. Transgendered is considered a negative um, version of that word as if it were something in the past. And the nice thing about Centerlink, though, is that um, a very smart, educated trans person came up to me very kindly and chatted about that and let me ask questions. So I learned something. You didn't get your hiney spanked? I uh, know, but someone tells me he would like that anyway. I probably well, at least you didn't say tranny. No, no, I think we know not to say. You trannies have come a long way. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I say that because I'm thinking of tranny shack. Remember the whole thing. I remember yeah. tranny shack. Yeah. Would that be? Would would that be able to be, to? Yeah, I mean that still exists, right? Well, I sort of. Lena had to change the name. She so did change it. It's just a, mother, a new right. brand altogether. Oh, right, right. That's why she doesn't yeah, call she it. She got yeah. a lot of flack in the end, but in the beginning, mm-hmm. it was like the hottest. You know, tranny shack was the place. Mm-hmm. Well, look at uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, where she had that. Ooh, girl, you got shemale. But that's so funny. Mm-hmm. I don't watch she, that, she, she but had, <laughs> she had to change that because uh, shemales were what we were called ba- back in the early 90s as mm-hmm. kind of a derogatory term. Yeah, true. But this that was that was funny though. Yeah. I don't know why exactly, but it just <laughs> a lot of a lot of folks in the transgender community weren't really 
happy to feeling that. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think cultural competency is, you know, it's fun to learn. I mean, that's one thing I've wanted to do, and clearly I need to do, <laughs> even for myself, um, is I really want to produce some, maybe a series of cultural competency videos mm-hmm. as part of the work I'm doing right now. Um, I'm really excited that we created a program called Raising the Bar this year, which is my company's wow. ongoing commitment to championing all of our causes for equality, but especially Did you just say champagneing. Champagneing, yes, we love champagneing. <laughs> I may have. I'm thinking of champagne, aren't I? I'm championing, um, and and especially the diversity that's so crucial to that cause. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. Rewind for me. You're doing a lot of things, and one of them is this new. Yeah, but there was a. The bar. Yes, but there was there was something much more exciting that I was about to hit Your on. Your trick tonight. My trick tonight. No, 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 no. no. Uh, oh, cultural cultural competency. Yeah. So um, so raising the bar includes our heroes of diversity video series. But um, but I really in this next year maybe I can include you, Piper. Maybe you too, Tweeka. You know, you should include me as a DJ somewhere. Oh, well, absolutely, I should. Who's better than Tweeka? A lot of people are good, but I'm on top of my game. Right I don't know. Now. One of my one of my favorite things about you. What, what I love it when you're on stage. You, I, you did this one year at Pride for Gypsy Love, and you're like on stage. Oh, I was the Vogue DJ. The faux DJ, but I love that. Yeah, but I, I can actually that. DJ. Folks may not realize that. Yeah. But um. What was I going to say? Oh, you were. We did that show together, the Missed Wicked Witch of the West. Oh my gosh, that was that like was, that was a great concept. That was like a hundred years ago. I wondered. I wondered why you never called TV me again. To we do only it. did it that one. Year. Oh, okay, I but feel it was better. A good concept, <laughs> and uh, we should do. Yeah, we should. The the point is, yes, we both have busy schedules, but we should collaborate on something. In Absolutely. The Absolutely. That's the thing about San Francisco. That's really amazing. Um, I was talking to my friend Kenshi. I don't know if you know Kenshi um, about this last week. Um, that. San Francisco, that's what makes it special. You know, it's a place unlike any place else where you can come here and really invent yourself yes and take those skills you have that yeah no it's so cool it's so cool so and folks listening to us in idaho that's right you know, it is you know for all the problems we do have and every city does but mm-hmm. we, it's still like a place you can come and start like a blank Mm-hmm. slate and create who you want to be right. there, there's a community here that will support you mm-hmm. no matter what you want to be with no you judgment say that's true piper I mean, oh god yeah i mean the only reason i moved down here is because i have my godmother up in idaho was like this isn't a state that you really should belong you need to go someplace else and she kept saying come to san francisco mm-hmm. so <laughs> after a bad rash of a bunch of things going wrong i bought a one-way ticket I did that too, yeah. And I've been down here for now 15 years, and the amount of things that I've gone through to help shape me to what I am today, I wouldn't pass up those experiences for anything. Here, here. I might have wished it would have happened yeah. a little bit quicker, mm-hmm. but otherwise, yeah. You know, sometimes the process, you know, when you have to fight for it, mm-hmm. it's more permanent. I've been here almost 15 years. What year did you oh, move yeah? here? You bought a one-way ticket too, huh? I did. I, had a, I think I had exactly $101 in my pocket. Are you from Idaho as well? No, no. Well, I wish you were, because then we would have really gotten a lot. Uh, <laughs> we would have. Where are you from? Um, so I was born in western Pennsylvania oh, and grew up in western New York. Yeah, may as well have been middle Pretty America. Rural. Very, oh, very, very. Yeah. Um, but you got the 10 feet of snow during wintertime as well. Yes, the, all, all that. That alone enjoy. is like, you know, one-way ticket out of there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I did need to get away from all that snow. Um, but no, I was living in actually Texas for four and a half years, which is which is where I hopped on my final flight 
to San Francisco oh, okay. in 2003, 2002. Okay, so mine was March 22nd, 2002. <laughs> she she okay. knows the date. Oh, I, I know the time when my plane landed at 10:35 a.m. Oh SFO. my god. <laughs> yes, I remember that because every year for the first six years I would celebrate it. I would take out the new friends I had made. We would go to dinner. We would celebrate my coming to San Francisco. Oh, Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I came here on June 17th, 2003. <laughs> Girl, I can't uh, remember when. And, <laughs> oh, I know. I remember because I landed um, just before 9 p.m. And I immediately ran, got, ran to my friend's house in Knob Hill where I was staying and changed as quickly as I could so I could make the free entrance hour at Mezzanine, which had just opened. And remember, it used to be gay. I think it was Audrey Joseph's night every Saturday. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 10 to 11, wow. you could get him for free. Mm. Yeah, that was, that was the important thing about landing by 9 I, o'clock. My first time here is 1996. Oh. That's a long time ago, but I didn't stay. I only stayed for two years and then went mm-hmm. back. Uh, yeah. Back to where? New York. Oh. Yeah, but I was so excited. To, I, I don't remember the date. But I was so excited when I landed here. Like it was like this feeling, like like that you knew it was home, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I I felt that as well. Yeah. Just just a place. So if folks, if you ever feel trapped wherever you are, I don't know how many people are listening to us other than the fifteen people in San Francisco. But if there is anyone else listening to us, uh, you always have a place to come here, San Francisco. If you you know, if all else you need some place to come, come here. Yeah, I'm right. I know for a fact my little brother Christopher over in Hawaii is listening to us as we speak. Hi, Christopher. Yep, so he's been sending me little text messages that he Aww. thinks he could try to correct me on some of the things I've been saying, but I'm like, uh, I... Been- Feel free to call at 415-550-0511. That's 415-550-0511. We only have a few minutes left, Patrick, uh, but if anyone wants to call, feel free. We'll pick up the phone. Patrick, tell us more about what you've been doing. Well, um, what's coming up? So I'm excited. Um, I'm hopping back over to New York for the New York premiere of A Very Sorted Wedding, on October 2nd and um, I've been a big fan of the original film for years and um, what a thrill for this for this guy I got to do just a tiny bit of work on the film when it was when it was filmed in Dallas last year and blink and you'll miss me but I have a very small cameo um, congratulations well of course I, I hear it's been playing in San Francisco but nobody you know bothered to invite me to that opening of course it's your own city so <laughs> everyone o- overlooks that but um, but no um, the New York premiere. Um, we're, I think, no, I think we'll have Caroline Ray there, who is a fabulous woman. Um, did you see her in Sabrina the Teenage Witch years back? No, I did not. At where Castro? No, on television. Uh, uh, she was one of the two aunts. Yeah, yeah she was yeah. fabulous. Oh my gosh, with Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, on um, Salem. Mm-hmm. I did not forget Salem. That yes, Salem the cat. I feel like I'm missing out on this whole cultural pie. Uh, a lot happened that <laughs> I've forgotten over the years. Um, and then after that, I'm actually taking a quick vacation in Havana, Cuba. I recommend go, go, go. Oh my go. God, girl. Go, 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 do it. Trying to impregnate Stoli over there? What? 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I only saw when I went. I went last year, um, and you know things. You know, it's not like here where you can get everything you get in the U.S. I think I, I only saw two bottles of Stoli in the whole country when I was there. Um, they drink a lot of rum, Havana Club. Oh yeah, that's really the only marketing and branding. Does Stoli have a rum product? Or? We do. It's called Bayou Rum, and it's um, it is an absolutely exquisite rum made in the heartlands of Louisiana. My favorite is Satsuma. Oh, so you can try to get that over. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love our rum. We've got a lot of innovations coming out. Did you bring us a sample today? Oh, we don't drink. I saw a sign on the door that <laughs> yeah, said... Smart. But, I mean, if, if, if you were allowed, I mean, I may or may not have something in my bag. Oh, well, we'll talk later. Yeah, so I do. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm heading to Cuba, and then after that, um, to New York for the New York LGBT Film Festival, New Fest. Yeah. And then I'm heading down to Key West to give those guys a little support. You know, they've th- these hurricanes... Oh, it, it, it affected Key West. Uh, you know what? Not as much as... Uh, as it was... Grand P- Pines or something. Right, about 30 miles north really got, yeah. got hit. It's very sad. But, um, you know, Key West was supposed to have been hit head-on. Yeah. And... You know, one thing I love about Key West, it's 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 a strong people. You know, it's the it, an area that actually secede, tried to secede from the United States at one point to become the Conquer Republic. Oh, Their cool. island motto is one human family. They're real salt of the earth, live and let live people. And some of my best friends stayed and we're just going to weather it out. My friend Joey Schroeder, who owns Bourbon Street Pub in New Orleans House, actually invited all of the, you know, bartenders and, and people who work in the industry and didn't have a strong enough home to weather the storm in to come stay at his place. But we were all scared because they were supposed to get like 10 to 15 foot surges, swells. And how, it is not that high, the land. No, the, I think it was like three feet. I mean, I was burning candles and, you know, trying to uh, do all sorts of yeah. incantations. Um, and, and I'm so grateful that the storm largely missed Key West, but that doesn't mean there's not damage. There is, they do have work to do. Did they get flooding down there? They got a little bit, they got flooding. Um, I know Mayor Cates, the mayor of Key West, at one point um, did a little thing on CNN. And, you know, he said from his perspective, it was mainly roofs, you know, blown off, you know, boats smashed, trees down. But, um, you know, but it's, it's, it's going to cost money. And But those people are resilient. And the best thing we can do is to continue to go and visit Key West as quickly as possible if you were planning to. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful destination. And I think um, just reopen the roads like a couple of days ago. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yep. And they also got power back up and running through three quarters of the city. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if, if I remember, Key, the, there's a gay section, right, pretty close to the end of Main Street by the water. Honey, all of Key West. <laughs> it's, it, true. It, it, it's, it's true. It is. Duval, I, Duval Street. Duval um, Street. Yeah, and that, there used to be a, um, a gay club right on the water there. Okay. Um, was it Atlantic Shores? Um, which closed several years ago. Okay. But it's but like you said, Piper, it's, um, it's such an integrated island. It just, anything goes. Plenty of fabulous gay bars, restaurants, and businesses, but even Pride. I mean, I go down and bring um, all of our bartenders across North America who win my regional Key West cocktail classic stops. We bring them to Key West during Pride oh, for fun. the finale week. And what I found out when I first started going down for Pride, what was cool is that they really honestly don't consider it so much gay Pride as island pride Uh, everyone is celebrating love it when is their pride so their pride is always within like the first week of um january i'm not january i'm sorry i meant june um jay it's hard to keep my jays straight um and um yeah so this coming year i think it's june 6 6 through like the 11th yeah yeah awesome this is early not too hot there yeah no 
yeah. I definitely do know I miss the sunsets of Key West. They were always one of the most beautiful you ever witnessed, especially if you get out on a catamaran mm-hmm. like before and you have the waves just... Oh my God, we've got it. Next time you come on, we have to dive into these stories of yours. Yes, I think you should come to Key West and join me in June. I actually... I would t- love to go to Key West. You should come yeah. down. We it's have been a while. We have so many people. We had a bunch of San Francisco friends come down yeah. and join us, and I actually do an invite-only fabulous catamaran sunset cruise every year. How, how exciting. And it's, like, it's just the most spectacular did, happy did tea dance. Did you bring our friend Kim Sims down there? I brought Kim down. That's right. Yeah. I've had a great year um, with the opportunity to collaborate with Ms. Sims. Yes. Congratulations, um, Kim Sims, on your top 10 smash. Yes. She she deserves it. Um, you know, I I still have friends. Um, I lived in, in London, England when she came out with Too Blind to See It. Yeah. And, um, you know, I still have, I have friends in London who have seen me working with her and message me and they're so excited because you know she she was such a big star and is such a big star and such a yeah, big she heart was one of those artists that uh scored on both sides of the yeah shore. she really did she really really did um yeah so she came down and we put her on stage um, she sang the opening number of our um, finale event i i asked her to learn um holding out for a hero Oh, by Bonnie, Bonnie Tyler, Tyler yeah. which was my theme song last year. Yeah. Um, and of course, she's she sang Turn It Up and yeah. Too Blind to See It. Too Blind to See It. Turn It Up is the current hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've got to wrap it up. So this is the part of the show where we, we're going to go around and, and you just tell us your last thoughts. Okay. Okay. Uh, Piper, you want to go first? Oh. Last thoughts, honey. Beautiful bronze. Uh, All right. <laughs> any last thoughts? This has been an amazing experience, and I definitely appreciate have, listening more about our history with our first two uh, guests. Yeah. Guests that were here. That was fascinating. Yes. Um, hearing about the museum that they opened up in the Tenderloin. It's definitely nice catching up with Patrick. It's been far too long. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so happy I invited the both of you. What uh, little did I know you were rekindling like your your <laughs> spirits, your friendship. Yeah, yes, I, I love I love that museum, the Tenderloin Museum. I've I've got that's so neat. Um, yeah, no, and thank you so much. This is just what a wonderful way to be back in my in my now home city. Um, How I would, long are you here for, Patrick? Um, about another sixty five years. Oh, you mean oh, <laughs> not on the planet? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm actually hoping not for a lot more. Um, no, I'm I'm um, I fly out again on Sunday the first. Um, but um, yeah, but if you want to follow some of my adventures, um, our new website is www.heroesraisingthebar.com where you can see some of the videos and events that we've been doing and will be doing. Um, and I just want to thank you for welcoming me into your gorgeous home here yes. at Pirate Radio. Yes, Mutiny Radio. Mutiny Radio. Mm-hmm. And it's always a pleasure you've been on. You've been... Uh, I think you were one of our first guests back in the day. We've been doing this for three years. Has it already yeah, been three years? Three years. Uh, yes, that's right. I remember. Was it wow, three years ago? I know, it's, it's gone fast. But we love um, keeping up with our fellow family members here. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks, Tweeka. Yeah, thank you, Tweeka. <laughs> Folks listening to us, do join us every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. We're going to sign off now. Uh, what a fabulous show. So happy you can listen to our podcast. It'll be live and we'll be tagging you guys and sending it out so house of pride radio we're going to end it with a song uh thanks again guys see you our listening audience next wednesday thank you bye-bye oh i love this song
Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Looking for a personal injury lawyer in San Francisco, look no further than Francis J. Shaheda. Mr. Shaheda did an amazing job with my case. First, he informed the courts about my case that had not been scheduled or submitted yet, despite the language on the citation. I was so confused and afraid of the legal system, but he did it all for me. He communicated promptly via email with any of my questions. I was afraid of an enormous fine for a small infraction, as well as a criminal offense on my record, but he spoke to the DA to have my case removed from criminal court and put into the community court system. I am so overwhelmingly happy with the results he generated and would recommend him to anyone with legal issues. This is a personal first-person narrative because Francis J. Shaheda helped me personally, helped Mutiny Radio go to him for personal injury issues. You can email him at www.personalinjuryattorney.com fjs.com again the law office of francis j shaheda in san francisco do you need an awesome and underground space for an event 
Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. October 6th, come join us at Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse for Johan Miranda. Headlining... 50 minutes. Opening sets by Amy Bebo, Clay Newman, and Pam Benjamin. Don't miss this incredible headliner for only $10. Friday, October 6th at 8 p.m. Buy your tickets now on Eventbrite. Check us out on Facebook. Like all those comics, and please come support Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday at 8 o'clock. My friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me fine dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Are you a stand-up comedian? Do you want to be in 25 shows in five days at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco? Well, now's your opportunity. Apply now. 
for the Spark Presents third annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, March 1st through 5th. That's 25 shows in five days featuring 40 comics from out of town, and one of those comedians could be you. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, and click on the submission form. Apply for the Spark Presents third annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's only $10, and you can apply right now through November 30th for 25 shows during five days, all streaming live, all podcast posts, all Mutiny Radio, all the time. The third annual Spark Presents Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Apply now. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Blender's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 
gets to the point where like you walk into Target and you see like a cute bra that's like a winky face and it's Joe Boxer and you're like, oh, that's cute. I would want that. No, they only make it A through like C, maybe C, all right? I want to be able to buy bras at Target. Those bras are like seven bucks. You know how much I have to pay for bra? I have to go to Lane Bryant. I have to make a fucking meet with a fitting person, right? And then the fitting person is like, oh, what are you? Like an 80 gajillion double 3G, whatever. I'm like, yes, it's in 3D. Like that's how big my, and then, and then she grossed me and she's like, I think you're a this. And then she brings you the size. And because I'm so fucking mortified, if, even if it doesn't fit, I'm just like, fuck it. Yes, I will have that. Do you have it in a fun color? And she's like, we also have it in nude, which is a lot because they have it in peach, which is not nude for me. That's racist. What they actually have in nude for me is chocolate. They have it in chocolate, they have it in white person nude, and they have it in black. And maybe you wanted to go wild and get a red one. Well, guess what? That doesn't hold anything. Just absolutely, it's like having a fucking hairnet around your boobs and then being like, oh, look, it's cute, and it's big. So I hate bra.